this is episode one of uh, the Nerd Speak. I am uh, I'm J Rad. Uh, no one knows me yet, but maybe you'll know me eventually. And uh, uh, this is uh, my co-host Jay. What's up? Uh, he is uh, he's been a longtime friend of mine. Uh, we we talk about this stuff all the time, and I figured you know what? Why not talk to uh, uh, the world about it, and just so we can get our voice out there and, and just have some fun, and have some have some enjoyable memories, and and just talk about nerdy crap. Mm-hmm. So. So Jay, why don't you say a little bit about yourself? Maybe like like I don't know your favorite hero or your favorite villain or even like your favorite book. Okay, I'm Jay. Uh, favorite hero? I mean, I've always been partial to the Batman. Like that's just that's just something from childhood. Uh, yeah. Also Spider Man, of course. Um, uh, I'd love to see a buddy cop film of Batman and Spider Man oh. solving crimes together. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like Rush Hour Seven. Oh yeah. yeah. Gosh, that would be hilarious! Like, just the straight man Batman would play to the consistent quip of Spider Man. I don't exactly. know how that would that would actually match. Oh, it'd be a clash, that would be and it'd be amazing. But I'd watch it. I'd I, I pay feel money like for that. I feel like that needs to be the first animated DC Marvel crossover. Well, you know, there was a uh, one uh one dude on YouTube. I can't remember the name of his channel, but he used to do like these animated bits okay. with action figures and everything and that was one of the <laughs> running gigs on it was that Spider-Man always wanted to do like a, it was after hours uh, Spider-Man uh, and Batman okay. would do like buddy cop stuff every now and then and oh it was amazing and ever since that I've always wanted to see that happen uh, favorite villain I am very very partial to uh, I've always liked Doctor Doom Okay. Um, okay. Uh, he's just so fantastic because he's kind of nuanced. Like he's definitely a villain, but he's also like the leader of this country, and yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's definitely. an interesting balance to see. Okay. See that. Uh, and then favorite book. Um. Uh. Probably thus far, Confessions by Augustine. Okay. Because I'm a nerd. Okay. Yeah. And and you're really in a, a digging the uh, the theology route right now. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, I'm always reading philosophy and theology because again, I'm insufferable as a human being. I can I can confirm <laughs> that to be to be quite 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 true. Um. All right. So I thought we'd start off today with something a little simple. And for for episode one, I really thought that a a good place to start is is where we started. And so, what would you say would be the films that made you who you are today? Or the video games, or the books, or or just what made you into the nerd that you are today? And 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 how do you how do you go from that? And so, like, I, I mean, I can start because I've been thinking about this for a little while, and I gotta say, as much as I I, I adore like Jurassic Park. And Star Wars, it's got to be that first Indiana Jones. Because, because it just it just gave that me that like, love. And it's it's one of those is, things. Man. Gosh, Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. is one of those movies I don't think you ever forget the first time you saw. Oh it. no no no! I must have been like six years old, and I was just glued to that screen. I was already like a, a history buff, and I was like I would play like Medal of Honor. Uh huh. I absolutely love those games because most of my history knowledge comes from video games, and back then it was legit knowledge. And so, 
Because because uh, I mean they would they would walk you through actual battles of yeah uh, that you would have to play, um, and 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 when they were like oh these are Nazis I was like oh those Nazis they need to die <laughs> now, and, and it was just it was a full on hatred for the villains immediately. I had been going to church for a little while then and I had already started asking questions, so I was already you know uh, uh, influenced a little bit by by what they were talking about, the Ark of the Covenant and the Jews and, and, and the whole storyline. And so I was hooked immediately. I mean, Harrison Ford was just outstanding. I wanted to be Harrison well, you, Ford in that movie. You can't beat the charisma and the like gruffness of Indiana Jones. Like no. he is the quintessential yeah. adventurer, like archetype. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, when you look back at what Raiders is and like the history behind how they, talked about marion and indy's original relationship it's, yeah. it's really weird if you haven't done that actually go online and look it up or don't because you may, you may not, not ruin know. yeah you may ruin the movie for you but <laughs> um, like, uh, yeah I, i'm not gonna spoil that here just in case it does hey, indiana jones you. is the dude who made having a bullwhip cool <laughs> yeah yeah and and like like he didn't care who who he killed like i mean even that that moment when he is on uh, uh on the cliff with the rocket launcher in his arms, and he just screams down, "I will blow you all to hell!" And and the rival guy, I think it was Bullock. I could be I could be wrong, but I think it was Bullock. Because they're they're the exact same yep. coin, just different sides, and um, they, he he just can't bring himself to destroy the artifact, let alone the woman he loves, let alone countless. Men who are just following orders, whether or not they believed in what they're doing or not. But he just couldn't bring himself to destroy the artifact. And only now do I understand his character and his motivations and and understanding why he didn't do that. Because at the Mm -hmm. the time, I was just like, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Kill the Nazis. (laughs) But it just just glued to the screen. I mean, I I think my dad for just putting me in front of that TV when I was that little to enjoy that movie. Because now I can look back and just love it so much. So for me... The movie that made me a nerd was uh, Empire. Growing up, I never watched the Star Wars movies in the proper order okay. until I was older. Empire was my father's okay. favorite Star Wars movie. And by the time I was five or six, like at least like once every couple months, my dad would sit me and my brother in front of the TV and be, we're going to watch that Empire Strikes Back right oh, now. so good. And I mean, it does really speak to... Like, your phys- philosophical nature. Because, like, I mean, e- even at the start of the show, you're saying, you're talking about, like, how much you love to read philosophy. Well, Empire is easily number one if... No, no, no. You know what? It's number one. There might it, I was going to say it might be a close two with, with episode eight. But episode eight was so, like, drenched in philosophy that it lost its way, I think. <laughs> We can well, talk about that eventually. Well, it's like but... the the political posturings of the prequel series. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, but... it's like cool. We get it. There's a Senate. I didn't need to watch C-SPAN. <laughs> C-SPAN, <laughs> fictionalized. What? It's and it's still boring. Space, space um, C-SPAN. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So like eight or sorry, Empire really just like dipped its toe in enough philosophy to get people to going. Oh, that's a really good question. That's really awesome, like how they're dealing with the light, the dark, the mm-hmm. perceptions, and it did follow up. I think really, really well in in, in Jedi. Oh yeah, well, and on top of that, like 
as a set piece in a film, Hoth, in my mind, is one of the untouchables. Okay. Of, like, film set, big action set pieces. Because you have the, the rebels know that they can't beat the Empire in this fight. That they are literally just trying to hold them back as long as they can for the transports to get out. And watching everything just sort of fall apart... Yeah, and they're they're not able to get everyone out the way that they had planned. Watching Vader and tall as hell in that stark black <laughs> suit walking oh, yeah. through the white halls of yeah. the Hoth base, like it's menacing, and it gives you a great sum up of how that film is going to play out. Because at the end of the film, you're left with uncertainty. Uncertainty oh, is the yeah. theme. Absolutely, and and just with the with the good guys losing like i mean I, i'm 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 a young guy like i don't i can't imagine what a 2 3 year long wait would be like after <laughs> finishing empire because like as a kid growing up in the 90s my dad would just pop in the next vcr the, the exactly pop the next tape into the VCR and I'd be you're, like, cool, just, I get to finish this. You have you and have resolution right immediately. Me. And you know, actually, I think I think Star Wars might be one of the things that has started the the binge watching craze. Oh, totally. Because as, as as in our generation, like it's 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 really popular to binge watch. But I think throwing in all three Star Wars movies in a day, throwing in all three Indiana Jones, throwing in Jurassic Park, throwing in uh, heck as you move into the two thousands. Lord of the Rings into the DVD player. You know, we're talking extended edition like, Lord of the Rings. Well, I mean, that's a full day, and theatrical. I've done that many, many times. <laughs> I have too, but it's it's an undertaking. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I've got fifteen hours to burn. Yeah, I, I, I ain't got nothing to do. Let's, uh, you know what? Grab those no, four hour Star movies. Wars. Even though the Star Wars films are not short, because every single yeah. one is plus two hours, and we're coming up on eleven Star Wars movies coming next year. This is true. That's number eleven. But so. Every Star Wars movie is plus two hours, but they all break down into trilogies or yeah. duologies if you're talking the new ones, which will be a trilogy when it's done. But even the, then you have the standalones and you can kind of, you could even break it up, even though there's 11 Star Wars movies yeah. in existence. Yeah. Like you can say, well, we're just going to watch the original trilogy. Or yeah. if you're if you're a sucker for punishment, you can you know I give I give the prequels a man, lot of crap, I, but I, I still enjoy the watching them. Like, I still enjoy watching them. But if you're if you're really feeling like man, I want to punish myself today, you can just pop watch in episode eight. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey, hey, now <laughs> don't get me started about episode eight. I have really it's, mixed emotions about that. It's film. fun to make fun of because of it is fun to make fun of. And, and uh, actually, you know what? What did you think about the report that came out about the uh, apparently the Russians didn't want episode eight to do well? So you know, Russian. I'm in favor of blaming the Russians for a lot of things, but I feel like that one was definitely a reach. Yeah, I just study shows, and I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't find the study. Maybe I didn't. My whole thing is this: I understand Star Wars Episode Eight was divisive, and because everyone has taste and they have what they want to see, especially in a franchise like Star Wars that's sort of near and dear to everyone's hearts, I understand why people didn't like it. I personally, I have some gripes. With it, but I have gripes with everything, so you do nitpick. I nitpick. <laughs> I like to nitpick. Um, uh, but I always like to caveat my nitpicking doesn't mean I didn't like it. And I actually, okay, yeah. I, I really enjoyed episode eight, and I loved the sort of 
we had all of these preconceived notions of what it was going to be going in. Oh, absolutely. And I like, really like thought they might just rehash the, the Empire. The was just nuts. And now they took, they did absolutely. take elements of Empire, um, uh, which was to be expected. Yeah. They're sort of, you've got to play up that nostalgia bit. Right. Some. Right. Um, uh, I mean, even, even Attack of the Clones ends very similarly to Empire. Attack of the Clones ends a lot happier. It ends happier, but you still end with Count Dooku gets away. Yeah. Um. Uh, Anakin is maimed. Obi Wan. Like if they well, had Anakin also gets married. He does so... get married, but that was just because George like, Lucas wanted to marriage. He wanted to shove that that Thornbird's love story down our throats. I mean, he kind of had to after going like, yeah, Anakin and Padme had kids. I know. And it it's just it Leia just and... bothers me how forced it felt. Uh, I mean. I just wish that someone had, maybe not the balls, but, like, the authority to tell George no on a couple things. Exactly. Because, um, I mean, like, Jar Jar could have been refined to a much better you, character. You could have not uh, made him a caricature of um, uh, people indigenous to the Caribbean <laughs> islands. Um, uh, in a really, really kind of low-key... That, that was very PC. That was very offensive PC. way. <laughs> Look, Jar 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 was a messed up. No one is saying Jar Jar was not a messed up. No, and I will say I feel really bad for the guy who did who the played voice Jar and Jar. played him because he is a very good Broadway actor. He's fantastic, and but like, and, but now he's, he's like, hey, he has to deal with the baggage of yeah. No, he puts he puts I was in a Star Wars movie. People go, who were you? And he goes, I'm Jar Jar. Well, you can't do anything. And it wasn't him. Like I mean, if you look at the physical acting that he did. If you turn off, turn off the volume. Turn off the volume when you watch Star Wars and look at the physical acting that he was portraying. He does an amazing, amazing job going through the motions of what he was directed to do. He was a clumsy, bumbling, somehow successful dude. Kind of oafish. And and when you when you think about how much technology was used, yes, it was beautiful at the time. We're thinking we're talking about 1999. But I mean, you end up looking at at these guys and you got top-of-the-line actors like Samuel L. Jackson, mm-hmm. like Liam Neeson, acting against green screens. I don't know how how, it, how easy it is for you to use your imagination to act, but, I mean, it can only go so far. When you know, that's one thing I'm glad with the new Star Wars movies they've started doing again is using real... Right. Yeah. Like, they've definitely... They've scaled back the green screen. And green screen, sure, it was very, very... Um, uh, Convenient and oh, it's and, the effects, and it's a lot in easier. And then the Matrix. Oh yeah, were absolutely astounding. awesome. Like, like I can't even talk about it. Like when well, you know, came out I feel like for the Matrix, it works a little better doing a lot of green screen yeah. and stuff because it's supposed to have an artificial digital feel. And whereas yeah. for Star Wars, I've I've always liked the approach on Star Wars films of using real scenery and then touching things up with CG because we have. All of these places, you need a lush green forest. We can find a lush green forest to film it. Can I we? Mean, Are you sure we, we still have a couple of those left in, in the world? A few. A few. I mean, what? <laughs> they filmed uh, They filmed most of the Tatooine scenes in the original trilogy on in Morocco, right? Uh, or was it Tunisia? Tunisia. Tunisia. that's where they filmed... Um, uh, oh, oh, the, the stuff in Seven. What was the planet called? Jakku. Jakku. That's where they, yeah, that's where they filmed Jakku was back in Tunisia. Because uh, J.J. Abrams wanted to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that I think the new trilogy has some of the best looking 
Star Wars planets and sort yeah. of overall aesthetic yeah. that we've seen. And it comes from, you know, like they built scale model oh, X-Wings yeah. Yeah, and, and, and crazy that, stuff and, and like that. And that comes back to, to them using Water Workshop out of New mm-hmm. Zealand. Um, if you guys don't know who Water Workshop is, look them up. They did everything, crazy, crazy. everything for Lord of the Rings. Crazy. They built mega miniatures. Basically, like they built a two scale Helm's Deep that you could walk through and film in. Yep, absolutely amazing. They're insane. Um, yeah, they, they've done they've done countless things since. I, I know they did the, the Peter Jackson's King Kong. I know they did the adventure, the, the Incredible Adventures of Tintin. I think was it, was that the name of it? Wasn't no, no, Tintin it, animated? Yeah, it was Tintin, but they they still did a lot of the scaling. Oh, really? For everything, so I they didn't can know get that. It right? To, well, to yeah, size. Tintin, Tintin, low key underrated. Oh, absolutely! I completely underrated. Uh, animated uh, animated film not for the younger kids no no um, but, but, but a fantastic PG-13 movie and I think that was that was why Tintin didn't get as much clout it was, as it, it should have was because they didn't market it properly yeah, absolutely and if I like took my six year old in there and they're like shooting guns and the captain's drunk half the movie and like yeah. I'd have been like well, well it's a good thing you don't have a six year old exactly so um alright so what was the first video game that got you hooked on playing? Because, because I I look back and I think, I think it's got to be for me. Spyro the Dragon got me hooked on video games. Like like just like playing them and like hey mm-hmm. I can be in my own world, but I think the very first game that really opened my eyes to the concepts that can be portrayed was the first time I ever played Mass Effect. Because I had been playing games up until that point. Mm-hmm. Like, it'd been Call of Duty, it'd been Halo, and like, yeah, the story, the story's great! I, I played I played games for the, the story at that point. But I went to a, a buddy of mine's house, and uh, he actually ended up being my first dungeon master mm-hmm. a, few, uh, a couple months later. But uh, I just went to his house after church one day, and I was like, hey, man, can I borrow this game? I've never heard of this game before. And it was the Xbox uh, it was the Xbox 360 version of Mass Effect. And he goes, yeah. And I asked, oh, him, Mass I asked, Effect. Him, I asked him how it was, and he goes, you know what? It, it had an incredible story, great graphics, but the combat was a little wonky. And I and I went. You that know what? that first this. Mass Effect games combat was. It took me three weeks to put it in my in my machine. Really? Yeah, I just kept playing other games. Like, but as soon as I did, I could not put it down. I I was hooked with the story with the Reapers. Like that first mission, I was just like, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, because I, I I had played a few Bioware games before, and and I know this is sacrilege, but the first time I played tried playing Nazi the Republic, I couldn't get out of Terrace. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Like it's one of the greatest games of all time, and I bought it, and I went, "Oh, Star Wars! I'm gonna play this." And I had no idea what to do. I would get lost. I didn't understand. Like maybe my head just hadn't wrapped around the fact that there's a map, mm-hmm. and you can use the map. Because I was just like, mm-hmm. these all look the exact same. How is it different? There was no pointer, no guide, or you could go wherever you wanted. And to. It was there was a lot of freedom. Yeah, and and it was it it. it screwed with my head because I couldn't remember where exactly to go back. Now I can play through Terrace like that with oh, my yeah. eyes closed. I know exactly where to go. I can do it in like what's the minimum? Like five hours you can do mm-hmm. you can do Terrace now? And and but that that first 
Mass Effect, though, got me hooked. Because by the time I had already played Mass Effect 1, Mass Effect 2 was coming out in like two months. So mm-hmm. that, that was how long like it took me to, to finally get around to playing it because it was already in the bargain bin. Well, and so and the thing about Mass Effect was it had some of the most effective world building oh, in a video. Because so it's a totally original story, not adapted from anything. The worlds are original. The species are original. Even the political and socio economic, all of the different things that play into it, it's so well fleshed out. I mean, in Mass Effect 2, you're talking about, like, the Krogan genophage and, like, all that stuff. You're like, whoa. So many just, like, just things that just continuously hit you and in the heart, and every game does it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually got to say, though, one of my favorite features wasn't the combat, wasn't the story. Was it importing your shepherd? No, no, no. Good good feature for that. Loved that feature because it actually felt like you were carrying your game through each game. Mm-hmm. Or your safe through each game. But I absolutely loved that the codex would read it for you. Yes. Because you could learn about the world without having to take the time and just sit there. And so, like, if mm-hmm. I was ever... I, if I ever had a really long day... Like, like oh yeah, because, you know, school. Long day at school. Um, and I'd come home and I'd put on Mass Effect... Mm-hmm. And for like the next two hours, I would just end up like straightening up my room or cleaning or something. And you'd like listen that. to the codex. And I just, read I would just put the codex down, and I would just learn about this world and and just just dive head in first. And I absolutely loved it. Like it was basically our world in like two hundred years with the discovery of a new element that mm-hmm. negates the mass of an object. The faster it goes, it's, it's super just, cool. It's such an interesting idea, and it was one idea, and then it took, and and then it took our world now at the discovery of this this like element, and how would we change our our worldview? How would our our society change based on this one element? Even the idea of like being the first human specter, oh, you're yeah. like now in the fold, and yeah, yeah, and I loved how you like your captain like was the first like tryout. And he got screwed out of it, and so you're kind of like you got that slight revenge tilt to it a little bit. For Saren was a fantastic villain. Oh, so good. Oh, completely underrated as a villain. Uh, no, it was a great game. Yeah, in the way they introduced the Reapers as as an overarching villain who were there but not really there. Mm-hmm. You're just like, man, that's a crazy looking ship, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, it's sentient. You're like, oh no. So. so, as much as I've been singing the praises of Mass Effect, it doesn't make that list for me, though. Really? Okay, okay. Because, so, I've always been the kind of person I really only enjoy playing, like, RPGs yeah. and stuff like that's, that. That's pretty much my forte now. And, I mean, there's a few, like, shooters and things. Like, growing up, I played Call of Duty because all my friends played Call yeah, of Duty. Yeah, I mean, that was what you did after school. I love Halo because Halo had fantastic world building Man, and I story. Want, I want Halo 6 to come back to... Like the decent story building of Halo. I think I didn't really like Halo Five. I think it's I think it's very possible that it will. Um, Maybe uh, maybe that's just me. And so for me, a couple of games that like made me enjoy games. First off, the Crash Bandicoot series. Oh, you know, as a younger kid, I played those games religiously. I've only ever played Crash Team Racing. Crash Team Racing is a great game. It's so (laughs) much fun. It's the absolute best. Part two uh, Mario, no, Mario Kart like copy, mm-hmm. and it it's done perfectly, and it does it, it's done on its own exactly. And you have like fun features on the maps and fun items. It, I love Mario. I love not Mario Kart. Well, I do oh, love Mario, Mario Kart, Kart, but yeah. I love Crash Team Racing. I played like 
Crash Bandicoot Warped and like the oh. original and like all of the like platforming stuff. That was like my bread and butter. Mm, okay. When yeah, I was yeah, yeah. a young kid, and I remember because when I was I was like seven, and our neighbors when I lived in South Carolina, um, uh, the husband, he knew my dad had bought a PlayStation and my dad like never really used it. Um, uh, and me and my brother didn't really have any games we were playing, so he found out and he bought us the whole box set. Did you end up just buying like the demo discs that would come with the, the system? And... No, he like bought us. He like like we just didn't play much. Like we oh, had, okay. we literally had like Madden, and that was all we played. Madden. What's and... wrong with Madden? Nothing's wrong with Madden, but this is like Madden '03. So like. Oh yeah, I mean, oh man, I remember playing Madden '99. I know, when that was when my dad started getting into it, and so and then we had Action Bass, which was a oh, fishing game. Don't no wonder <laughs> loves fishing. I mean, <laughs> look, we're 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 from a, a place where fishing is a dear dear thing, That's um, uh, but so we didn't have games, and so the neighbor found out, and he bought me and my brother for Christmas. He got us the okay. whole box set of Crash Bandicoot oh, games that had come yeah, out yeah, up yeah. to that point, and so we just devoured them. Oh yeah, absolutely. we played them religiously. But so that's what made me enjoy video games. What really made me a gamer was Elder Scrolls Morrowind. Oh man. Yeah, man, I'm gonna get chewed out for this by you and by everybody else. Oh, I know you probably hate Morrowind. No, I, I, I never played any Elder Scrolls until. No, you know, I, I think I tried. Did I try Morrowind or what Oblivion? Was, what was no? I tried Morrowind, and I couldn't get out of the the main area. Oh, it's I, th- th- it's this brutal. Is, this is like a reoccurring thing for me. Though. <laughs> you can't it's, find it's, it's, your way out of the first area. area. Like cause that was what happened with with Fallout Three for me too. <laughs> Come on, because no, I'm like I'm like cool. There's an open world. I can do whatever I want. And so the first thing I do is I shoot at the robot, and the and then the save happens right after I did that. And then you you were just I, on an on an infinite feedback loop of getting yes, murked by yes. this robot, freaking cowboy robot. Um, that might you know what that might actually be New Vegas, which I've played more of since, but just. I just I have a problem so, getting through games apparently. Bethesda, Bethesda RPGs are are what kind of pulled me into it. And I'll admit, Morrowind. When I first played Morrowind, I had to be maybe twelve or okay. eleven. The 11, first time 11, I played Morrowind, when you finally got your like I got it when it was like it wasn't new, but it it was it wasn't old either. Um, yeah. Uh, like, now you think, man, Morrowind. Like, I remember looking at it and even still thinking, man, these graphics are kind of cool. Like, Oh, gosh. And, it, like, and when, it was hard. When all of these games came out, their graphics were on point. And as a, as a kid, it was hard to play. Yeah. Like, it, was, it wasn't like it didn't coddle you. And yes, yes, yes. I had a tough time with it, but I just enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the lore. And I enjoyed running around and doing things. And so then when Oblivion came out, I bought Oblivion the second it came out. Um, uh, I beat the game over a week. Like, I just literally sat down, and I played as many side quests as I could, and I played through as much of the game, all all that I could, and then they started releasing expansion packs. Oh, and oh, the expansions, expansions, man, they just... And the expansions were as big as the first game was. Yeah, exactly. Like, like they Shivering Isles, game. Shivering Isles was actually... A f- like, there was almost more to do in Shivering Isles than there was in the original I mean, Oblivion. So I played Oblivion for years. Well, I mean, whenever whenever 
Bethesda comes out with a game, whether it's Skyrim, whether or, uh, Elder Scrolls, or whether it's Fallout, or their new IP that they're coming out with a space mm-hmm. IP, which I'm very excited yes. about. I wanted them to announce something about that in E3. No word, just 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 a Bethesda, uh, it's just a memo that came out in like I think March, saying we have a space IP coming out. But you can't like, touch oh. you can't touch Bethesda when it comes to RPGs. I mean, no, Bioware gets no, close. Bioware gets really close. Gets close. But, but I mean, they, they, they've given up on Mass Effect, so there goes their space RPG. Exactly. There's, they're pushing Dragon Age out. Like, uh, I think they're coming... And to I enjoy Dragon, Dragon Age, but it's it's not Elder Scrolls to me. I will they're say, different games. Dragon Age Origins really did it for me. Dragon Age 2 was kind of a letdown. And that was, that was how it was for me. But, but Inquisition, I loved Inquisition. I still need to play Inquisition. But I mean, when Bioware... Or not when Bioware... Uh, when Bethesda comes out with a game, though, you can bet that the extra f- twenty to fifty dollars on that season pass is going to be worth it. Exactly. Absolutely. Other other companies, you buy a season pass and you're just kind of like, well, maybe I'll get some new skins, maybe a few new weapons. Who knows? Yeah, and, and that's my but problem with, why I haven't bought Red Dead yet, is because I'm not sure. I'm invested. I'm, I have to play it because I played Red Dead Redemption. I, I never played like, the first one. I know. One. <laughs> I played through Red Dead Redemption maybe three times. Oh, well, I mean, I, I did play Red Dead Vol- Revolver, which was a quite a bit of a, of a different game. It was very <laughs> different. Well, because the Redemption. Rockstar, Rockstar took it and made it a story-driven yeah. campaign, which actually like. That was why Red Dead Redemption was so fantastic, is because you are invested in a story. It's not just. Right. It's not just western gta even though it plays like western gta yeah, there's, there's a, much, a lot there's a more depth than to the GTA. it and and i'm not the biggest gta fan but i i do love what bethesda does uh different mm-hmm. from them because because like i mean we're talking about three companies who make rpgs we've got bioware who are extremely like your choice driven mm-hmm. we've got bethesda who, who who can who do a different way of your choice because it's just almost like an unending well Bethesda's good like, in that they'll railroad you without you realizing you've been it's railroaded it's so open but they're they're always like you just got quests to finish mm-hmm. go get quests and that really like hurts the completionist inside me and then we've got Rockstar <coughs> who literally give you do whatever you want we have a system in place so general that it's it, you can do whatever you want. Like there's a story you don't have to play the story, but if you want to get farther in like what you can do, you should. But I mean that's sad. Just I'm I'm really iffy because on on Red Dead Two because of what they did with GTA Five. So from what I've heard from my folks playing through Red Dead okay. right now, the story's fantastic. Like, well, well, our our, our buddy uh, um, Colby. He, he hasn't started yet. He hasn't started yet. Okay. He hasn't started yet. Okay. Um uh but everyone else I know who's playing through it fantastic story. Um uh okay. the graphics are amazing and they yeah. they well, I've it's seen some funny cuz they on took they just, took away that great. kind of cartoon edge the first one had. Mm. Um uh yeah, with some of the movements were a little mm-hmm. out and, and also uh the man, it just it looks really fun. I still need to play through God of War before I start it, so bro, it's so good. And uh, and you've got it. You've got to get Spider Man too. I do. Uh, I I actually, I just downloaded the DLC. Uh, probably gonna play it later today or tomorrow. Nice. Um, can't wait to play 
the, the first DLC because the second one's coming out in, in in like three weeks. No, but yeah, so like pushing it out really fast. I, I need to this. I need to work my way through God of War. Um, uh, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything. I'm gonna see how close to 100 percent I can get yeah, before yeah, I get yeah, bored yeah. with it. I mean, at the very least, fight all the Valkyries I mean, and do I will all say that. I have three platinums in my PSN. Two of them are from games that came out this year. Spider-Man and God of War. And just it's just so good. The Valkyries are amazing. The boss fights are fantastic. The story is elaborate and covers so much. And there's a lot of misdirection that happens. And you're just... Uh, and it's open for it. more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. God of War 2 has already been confirmed. I give it three years maximum oh, yeah. before... Well, and you know, I like them taking uh, their time. Two, I think two years minimum. But I could see it. I could see it taking five years before another one comes out. I don't mind they, them taking they spent their time. A long time on this one. They and they they spent a lot of time, and the quality showed. I mean, I haven't played it oh, yet, yeah. but you don't get you don't get that kind of critical acclaim for oh. not doing things right. Oh yeah, now, the weird thing about that and and Spider Man is is now that uh, Sony and PlayStation are putting out their greatest hits. Mm-hmm. I want Spider Man and God of War to make more money. Because they deserve it, mm-hmm. and I think they they they're at the point almost where they've made everything they can make, and so I'm just like, all right, is Sony gonna put him out on the greatest hits? Which I think it might be too soon for them. Well, so because because Sony's had what greatest hits just started this year, and Sony's been out for five years. Mm-hmm. PS4's been out for five years, and I think next year at E3 we're gonna get PS5 anyway. So. Yeah, at least an announcement. We probably will. Um, uh, well, so and then my final game because we've got oh yeah, yeah Crash yeah, yeah. Bandicoot yep, Crash. is what got me Crash first playing. Morrowind is what made me a gamer, and then the game that made me um uh, just enjoy the fun of games because before I was just a grinder, like I just right. like to grind and just do everything. Yeah, um, uh, because it was there in front of me. But the game that I just enjoyed playing is one summer I was visiting my cousins in LA and one of my cousins he had like a game room set up and he had all of the Prince of Persia games from the original run oh man Prince of Persia Persia Sands of Time Warrior Within um uh Two Princes all three of those yeah and we ran through those games over that like (laughs) three weeks we were in in town visiting we just like Jeez. just blew through them that's amazing and it was it was so yeah, much fun no, and I, I, I never got around to playing those maybe i should go back and just play like have a back catalog a couple days they're worth they're worth running through because then the combat was super fun it's just a button mashy slasher yeah. like yeah, it's a, it's you can game. you can run up walls and do all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy acrobatic stuff like when when assassin's creed came out I was oh. like, oh man, they, oh, they, I love Assassin's Creed. and I, I love Assassin's Creed too, but I was oh, like, they man, totally ripped off. they Ooh, borrowed Ubisoft. so heavily. Well, it's same, same company. Yeah. So. They, they essentially, they used everything <clears throat> right with the platforming capabilities yes, of Prince of Persia way. and put them in Assassin's Creed yeah. with the occasional, you know, off the wall jump into nothingness for no reason <sighs> that Assassin's Creed throws at No, no, not in the water. No. <sighs> Where's the last checkpoint? <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to tell this guy again. Yeah. Oh, man, now i got to do this whole thing. Oh, damn it. Well, uh, we're, we're just about out of time. So, um, 
uh, tell them tell them where they can they can find you and uh, social media or anything that uh, you want to spout off or sure uh, on Twitter superfluously J uh, I don't use it as much as I should I'll start <laughs> using it more we'll get there we'll get there we're just starting out we're, we're, we're brand new to this and hopefully just gonna have some more fun and Instagram um, uh, at Jeremy Reed if you want to look at pictures of food and concerts yeah, that's that's pretty much what we what he does. Um, I'm also getting back on the Twitter thing. Uh, you can find, follow me at uh, Bradley John, and uh, at all the other platforms, uh, just at uh, Jonathan Bradley. I hope you guys have a uh, great rest of the day, and stay nerdy, stay woke. <laughs>